Hey guys, and welcome to Get Like Podcast Kunai. And you're like, whoa, whoa, bish, what's what's going on? You weren't on the last episode of Kunai. But now I am. I was ill last time, so forgive me. Um, I'm joined, as always, by um, Tyson. Say hello. Hello. And the uh, Kohai himself, Kevin. Hey, guys. No matter how I introduce Kevin, it's always the same. It's always, hey guys, it's Kevin here from Gilla. He always says the same thing in every episode. Uh, well, it's just my thing, you know? It's your thing, but it's not a good thing. Anyway, so today we're talking about plastic memories. I know we did say in a previous episode that we're going to be talking about uh, Yamada-kun and the Seven Witches, but due to some scheduling issues, we've pushed it back. So we're swapping around plastic memories with Yamada-kun. So Yamada-kun's still going to air. Hopefully, it's just Plastic Memories is going up first. <clears throat> so, Tyson. Well, as always, I got the disclaimer before every discussion goes through. For you new folks, Get Alive Podcast Kunai is a monthly anime discussion podcast under the Get Alive group. Due to the nature of the discussion, we can't avoid spoilers of the show to be discussed. I mean, that's the point of a discussion episode. <laughs> For those shows that are based off an existing piece of work, whether it's manga, light novel, or some other media form, we aren't covering the source material for those. We can be found on Stitcher, iTunes Store, and Google Play. If you'd like to recommend a show for us to watch and make an episode of Kunai, send us your suggestion on Twitter at GALPKunai or by email at GALP.PEA at gmail.com. We only ask that you suggest shows that have at most 30 episodes. You didn't say the joke, Tyson. Everyone was waiting for you to say the joke. Oh. Okay, that... okay. No, it's fine, Tyson. You don't need to uh, say the no, joke now. It's too late now, too late. Yeah, it's too late. So, okay. Plastic Memories is a sci-fi romance show, but I would, I would honestly take the sci-fi out of it. For me, it's a romantic drama that's how i'm going to describe it and it's based on an original story by nayo taka hayashi i'm so shit with japanese names um the so the show spans 13 episodes and it aired during 2015 spring and it was produced by animation studio doga kobo and they made such anime like monthly girls nozaki kun which is actually one of my favorites and uh himoto umaru chan which I fucking hate. <laughs> fucking hate that anime. Um, and it was directed by Yoshikuji Fujiwara. That was such a simple name to say. So yay! Um, I'm just going to go through also the synopsis of the anime. So after failing his college exams, 18-year-old Tsukasa... I can't even pronounce his second name. I'm not going to try. Was offered a <laughs> he was offered a position at a renowned company called the Psy Corporation due to his father's connections. So daddy got him a job, basically. <laughs> um, wow. So the Psy Corporation is known for the production and management of these things called gifters. Or was it or was it giftiers? Or, this is the thing I get confused Giftier. with. Giftier. Giftier. Okay. Because yep. when I think giftier, I think hestia. So <laughs> just because it rhymes. Um, <clears throat> that works too. So yeah, it works too. Um, so basically, his position in the terminal servants basically has him going to people and basically taking their gift years away because they have a time limit. I believe is it like nine years, nine and, years and something four months. months? Yeah, nine years and four months. And we see throughout the anime um, that you know some 
bad shit happens when they last longer than that. And we'll talk about that later on. And yeah, and he's teamed up with a gifter or giftier called Isla, who's basically the easiest way to describe her is that she is a trope in romance anime. The quiet one that doesn't talk and just repeats lines over and over again, but we'll get into Edda. that. I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That pissed me off. But we'll, we oh, will come get on. into this. This is so this. adorable, though, Bish. Can you, can you no, really get mad I, at Isla? No, personally, I've seen this in many, many romance animes. There's always that one character that has to act like that. And in Torador, there's that character. I forgot the name of it because it's just a tropey character. I just don't want to have that character again. Isla is unfortunately that character at the beginning. Towards the end, obviously, you see her open up a bit more. Um, let's... I'll start off with, you know, first impressions myself. So how I got into this anime was it was something to do with Hank from Viewster. Hank, if you're listening, hello. Um, I did a recording with him on Kunai, and you guys can see this. I said to him, Hank, I'm not going to watch Plastic Memories until you bring Toradora to Viewster. And, you know, he's he said, okay, cool. And then when Toradora was on Viewster, he sent me a DM saying, i done my part of the deal, it's now yours. So, <clears throat> this is the only reason I watched this anime, and he told me I would love it, and to be honest, I did. From the first episode, oh my god, there's so much emotion, I cried from the first episode. So, that was my first impressions, and I think if I didn't cry from the first episode, I wouldn't have just watched the anime in its entirety straight away. You know, I would have given it time, but I had to marathon this anime, because... I was just interested from the first episode. What about you guys? Um, for me, well, I came into this anime completely blind, without knowing anything uh, about the plot. So, uh, right off the bat, you know, the first scene where he just runs in the elevator and he, he meets um, Isla, right? And their eyes meet. It's just, it, it's kind of cheesy, right? But, alright, I'll forgive it, right? So, uh, after that, he goes into the office, meets people, right? And uh, we're introduced to his job, right? Uh, in accompanying Giftia. And right off the bat, like the moment they introduce the concept of Giftias and, you know, the limited life cycles and uh, the fact that they're going to have to erase memories of Giftias that are, uh, whose time is up, I was like, right off the bat, I'm like, you know what? This shit's going to take some very fucking dark turns, all right? And then in that same episode, because I believe it's in the first episode that uh, the grandma appears, right? With her, her grandchild, who's a gift to you. Yeah, I, like, yep, I feel so sorry yep. for her. But It yeah, took some dark it. turns. Yep. So, the thing is, uh, like you said, Bish, this is a romantic drama. But I'd also say that there are some comedic elements in it, right? So it's mm -hmm. kind of like of course. a rom-com and drama at the same no, time. No, I would not say it's a rom-com. Because just because something have jokes in it doesn't... I wouldn't attribute it as a comedy there are funny moments mm. yes but i wouldn't say this is a rom-com because it's a lot more than that how can i for example that's a rom-com that's a rom-com yeah this definitely. isn't i would say this is more drama as, yeah. as opposed to if it's a drama with some comedy thrown in yeah of course if On you didn't side. have the comedy then it, it just would have been mm. so depressing even this is i like how the episode is structured as well as soon as there's like a depressing moment they have to counteract it with a joke um sometimes it does take away it Sometimes it does take away from the dramatic moment, but I think if they just kept the dramatic moment and continued with it, the anime would get depressing real quickly. So I think mm -hmm. it's justified there. Fair enough. 
I must say, though, that like right from the start, it does feel a bit tropey and cliche at times. Like, the moment that you hear about, you know, Giftias and their, how, how they only have nine years to live, and you're introduced to Isla, you know right off the bat that the story is going to revolve around Isla at the end of her life. Like, right off the bat, there's no question about it, right? So, there are some cliche moments that are predictable, which, um, it's not necessarily a problem, but it's a shame that they didn't take an alternative route, you know? Uh, and like you said, Bish, I really agree with your point with the comedy and drama. It reminds me, actually, of, you know, remember Henneko and the Sony Cat, our very first episode? That anime, it had some comedic elements, but also... It, can also be really sad at times and really touching. And I find but I think it's anime. on the flip side. Like, Henneko's ratio from drama to comedy, there was more comedy than drama. So I would consider mm-hmm. Henneko a romantic comedy, of course, with elements of drama, mm-hmm. as opposed to this. This is on the flip side. Even so, though, I, I personally, I want you guys to share your opinions here. Um, I find that because there there's comedy and drama that are mixed into the same anime, I find that just like with um, Henneko, the problem is... Uh, it's kind of hard to take the more dramatic moments seriously at times, in the beginning at least, uh, because it switches from, you know, this really dramatic, intense moment, and then somebody throws a joke in, right? So it's kind of hard to take moments seriously when there are jokes being thrown around constantly. What do you guys think about that? Um, I already mentioned it, but I'll say it again. I think it's necessary for that to happen, because if they didn't do that, at least from the first episode, we would mm-hmm. just be depressed for the rest of the anime and that's not a good thing especially when you're watching anime you don't want to feel depressed i know personally i don't watch romantic dramas to be depressed i want it to have like a happy ending at least some sort of hope there so i think the reason they put mm-hmm. the comedy in there is this let's bear in mind this anime doesn't have a um, happy ending whether whatever you want to think it doesn't end well so they need to make it from the start give you some sort of hint of comedic value so that you're not depressed during this anime, so that you don't drop it. Because a lot of people will watch this and say, this is too depressing for me, I have to drop it. So that's why they have to put the comedy in there. But I do agree with you, sometimes the comedy does put off the dramatic moment. Sometimes. The way that it was structured, um, I feel that it actually does the show a disservice. Mostly because I'm always focusing on the dramatic stuff, the dramatic side of its storytelling, and then when you try to follow it up almost immediately with a joke, it actually kills it. I found myself saying, like, what? What is going on here? So, there are times in which um, the emotional impact has been lessened mostly because they immediately followed it up with a joke, whether it's um, Isla falling down, anybody making a perverted comment, Mishiru being a sundere, among any other situations in which there were dramatic elements and then immediately followed up with a joke. I think that show that, that hurts its pacing, its structure. It does, in my opinion. And, Bish, I agree that, yeah, there are some people that out there that don't want to watch, you know, super depressing um, anime that gets you down all that. But at the same time, if you look at, you know, for example, Clanad and Five Centuries per Second, those animes are really serious at times, right? And they're all also very depressing, as you all know. And yet those anime are very successful, right? I'm but the thing is, that... let's be honest here, Clanad had the time, like it had, I think, 26 episodes or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they have the time to properly 
invest in that dramatic story as opposed to this anime you only have 12 episodes there so they really can't oh 13 episodes sorry so you really can't make the majority of episodes just real hardcore depressing mm-hmm. because you're just gonna, first of all you're going to lose people second of all that's just going to be the whole anime at least with clanad yes there are good moments and bad moments but because they have more episodes to work with they can achieve that so i think the structuring of the anime can be better but i think it's also necessary as well before we continue discussing um story um let me just get my first impressions out of the way because um it seems like there's going to be a heated discussion in, in terms of story. Some points I agree with, some points I don't, but I digress. So, regards to first impressions, this anime completely fell off my radar. And I, and I explain. Um, during this time, I was watching um, The Disappearance of Nagato Yuki-chan, and I think at that point, Food Wars, the, uh, the first season was airing, um... There was also Seraph at the end, and I saw this show being uh, posted on the Crunchyroll feed. Um, I don't know if they consider it's. I don't know if they consider the show to what Victoria calls the miles gap, and what that means is a a list of shows that aren't popular enough in the Crunchyroll streaming service, so they have to pimp it up a bit, give it a little bit more promotion. I mean, I did a quick search on Twitter to see if they have done such a promotion before, but I wasn't, I didn't find anything, so, but I do recall that I see, that I saw it on Crunchyroll, but it completely fell, um, uh, fell under my radar. It's not the kind of show that I would normally watch. And even so, back at those days, I was watching stuff that... Unlike now, in which I'm more actively seeking out simulcasting everything, uh, back in those days, I wasn't really uh, consulting with charts to see what type of shows I would be interested in watching. So this long monologue, only to say that, yes, it was Bish who introduced me to this show. In regards to the first thing that I ran across is um, it's a love at first sight kind of tale or that was the impression that that it left on me and it left me a very sour taste on my mouth because at this point i'm thinking okay so tsukasa is going to be after isla to confess his feelings and whatnot because of our love at first sight i don't get it and also there was this um quite troubling issue for me that when you're talking about androids and humans coexisting in society, and there's these people who have androids to replace loves, replace lost, lost ones, or so on and so forth, I'm like, dude, she, he, she is a fucking android. I mean, that's when I started to think about the themes that this show was trying to explore in its storytelling, which was, um, it says so in the show name, the memories, um, the relationships between people, and right around the end, about how you should live your life uh, happily. So that's not something that was immediately 
um, evident at first sight, but as I continue watching the show, those mm -hmm. themes started to flourish, and then I was starting to analyze the whole thing in a different perspective. I think with what you said at the beginning, with uh, how how you found it kind of odd that androids can kind of replace human beings in that sense because they're androids. The thing is, the anime is stated from the beginning that these aren't just normal androids. They actually obviously have synthetic skins and whatnot and organs and also synthetic souls. That's another thing. So they're not just like androids in form of pets or what to, or whatnot. They actually have souls. They actually have their own sort of um, thoughts and things like that. So it's very different. So they're just like humans, but they're created. That's how I thought of them. When I when I first heard the fact that they got souls, it's just like, okay, they're manufactured humans. That's how I thought about them. I didn't treat them as androids. I, could, um, I couldn't get the thought out of my mind that these were basically robots until about um, mid-season, in which I started to accept that hey, this, there may be something going on here, but it also collides with um, the change of thoughts in regards to, hey, maybe I should treat this as a analog to what the story is trying to tell me. In which I pay less importance of to the fact that we're dealing with androids here and more on what the story is trying to tell. It could be done with humans as well, but apparently... Um, the fact that they're using androids instead of other human beings was evident why they were used at the very last part, I feel. Yeah, the, the main thing here is that well, the reason I believe uh, why they used androids instead of humans is that um, the main, the pivotal point of this anime here is the, the lifespan, the nine years, right? And once it's up, they're gone, right? So... If it was just a normal human relationship, that wouldn't really be a problem, right? Unless, you know, say that person was affected with a terminal illness, right? But it really focuses on um, the fact that these androids have very limited amount of time to be with the ones that they, they love, right? So it's about making the most out of that time with uh, the ones they know. And that wouldn't yeah. really work with a human relationship. Okay, but again, I started to analyze the show from this point of view, like, really later on. Because... I could tell you from the start that this anime for the first six episodes, it wasn't going to change my point of view. And should I have been watching this while it was airing, I would have probably dropped it by the fourth episode. Not because it was depressing, but rather that I couldn't get the thought that we're dealing with androids out of my mind. Uh, personally, the way I saw it is that um, I kind of thought the same way you did at the very beginning, but... Um... In the first, like, two episodes, it's pretty clear that um, from the way they behave and the way they look even, right? Because um, Tukasa says that, you know, he can't tell the difference between an android, or a giftia, rather, and a human, right? It's because they look exactly the same. And the way they behave, too, it's not, like, mechanical, right? They're not, like, uh, robots. They are, they are sentient and conscious, right? So they act exactly like humans. So the way I saw it is that they're basically humans. They're, they're exact copies of humans, that, except they don't age and they have a limited lifespan. But their interstitial information that was communicated by the show itself, at least in regards to when Isla was training back at the facility, it just drove the nail home. These are robots. Yeah, but their dominant traits are human, though. They're just 
from a, like their parts no, and stuff. I, Those are I, synthetic, of course. Right. Like I'm speaking from strictly from a viewer's point of view, not mm -hmm. like if I'm submerging the, into this into the same world because I think that people know that gifts are different from uh, from humans. Like mm -hmm. the owners when they have to sign their release agreement form, they are aware ever since they first bought the gift yeah, that this day would come. And some take it more gracefully than others, and that's where the show explores its deep um, range of emotions and everything, in story writing and everything. But the thing is, the owners of the Giftiers themselves act as if they are humans. Like, even Nina and, you know, her grandmother, quote-unquote, treated her as a granddaughter. And even Edward, um, you know, they treated him as a son. So... People have emotional connections to them. And I wouldn't compare it to the way someone would have an emotional connection to a dog or a cat or a pet or whatnot because, you know, it's not like that. It's like a human connection. Do you that, see what and, I mean? And, and that's what the that show even... was trying to explore in its story writing. Mm. I agree with that. And even with the, the guy when they were searching... Within the I think it was in the first episode or second episode when they were chasing that guy who ran off with the um with the gifter giftier that was a woman it was basically his girlfriend and i found that hilarious because you know a lot of people <laughs> when people talk about the robots and stuff when there is always a new technology people have to relate sex to it like vr first thing you know we got was vr porn robots probably we're gonna get sex robots soon that kind of thing so this actually made me laugh a lot when i saw that i was like wow that's hilarious that was episode four, by the way. Bought, yeah, that guy basically bought a sex robot. That's what he's using it for, and let's not deny it. Wow. All right? Well, you can, wow. you can only judge him, Vish. You, you can't judge him. You don't know what's been going on. No, I can't, on. I can't judge him, but at the same time, it makes me think. I'm like, okay, that's, that's effectively a sex robot, but yeah. is it the same as human being? That, that's something yeah. weird. Honestly... We could have an entire discussion about the ethics of selling robot, ageless robots um, to people for nine years and then taking, forcibly taking them back, you know. And this is another, and just, another thing I want to know is that when they offer them the upgrade, effectively uh -huh. that's, that's like the Windows 10 upgrade. Like you can't avoid that. But um, <laughs> with that upgrade, do they, still, they still get to keep the body, but yeah. they change like their consciousness and whatnot. Would they, does that also lasts for another nine years and then they have to upgrade again or how does that yes. work yeah yeah yes it's every the os itself is the thing that deteriorates after nine years not the body right so it's just os needs to be replaced every nine years like remember that woman uh, at the very end well, towards the end of the anime that was uh they dealt with and she's like oh yeah I've, I've done this multiple times right like i've replaced her os like three times and she's all she's all casual about it right and it shocks tukasa oh the woman in the the rich woman isn't it uh, don't recall, but she's a woman, and the girl was playing with the, the teddy bear. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that. yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember that. See, that's what confuses me. It just shows a different range of people. Exactly. You know, some people get really emotionally attached, and some people are like, yeah, you know, it's just it's just a Windows 10 upgrade. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's how people treat it. So that was episode that eight. That was episode eight, the one where they have to deal with the um, way they start to figure out. And this is by the point where Sukasa is aware of how long Isla has to live and he's 
exploring options to stay with her. So, yeah. I suppose at this time, Tsukasa was very confused about, about everything, really. Because he chose to become the boyfriend of someone who would die in, like, a month. Yeah. That's and he didn't thing. mind. And he didn't mind. But at the same time, I think you can kind of compare this to a lot of uh, literature and and other sort of I'm looking at you, the movies and stars. Stuff. I'm looking exactly. at you. Exactly. That's why I was, I like, was going to suggest that. It's, it has some sort of similar story. And I think when in the beginning, Kevin, you suggested that it might not work with humans. I think it can. But I think oh, yeah. the anime it could, work could with work with like, non- severely ill human beings. Yeah, exactly. But obviously it won't work on the same sort of scale. Exactly. But yeah. That's what I wanted to throw out there. Hank Green, if you're listening. Oh, was it Hank Green or John Green that wrote that? Uh, John Green. Hank John, is, Ring, um, John Green. John Green. Hank is the one that does all the, the science-y stuff. Oh, see, see, you know, I can't even remember them anymore. They're just <laughs> the same to me. They both got glasses. Anyway, if, if they're listening, which I doubt they are, hey, how's it going? Invite me to VidCon. Um, just saying. So... Moving on from the, because um, I believe we talked about story a lot already. <laughs> Can we just move on to first, um, or not first impressions, favorite episodes and moments? Because I really want to talk about that. Right, uh, I don't know if you guys made this connection, right? But um, do you ever, at any point while watching this anime, right? Do you guys ever think about, hmm, this is actually quite similar to um, the real life job of being a notification officer in the military. And uh, for those who, know what that who is. do not know what that is, uh, a notification officer is someone who's responsible in the military to inform next of kin of someone's death. Except it's kind of the opposite in this case, I guess, because they're not informing them of the person's death, they're taking them away, which is actually kind of dark. And I just saw many parallels to that, you know, especially when they mentioned, like, oh yeah, the other departments, they, they never really go to the same extent as Department 1 in terms of, you know, um, providing emotional support for these people. And it does seem cold at first. You know, it's like, how could you be so fucking heartless, right? How can you just leave, take these people's loved ones away so casually and, you know, so nonchalantly, right? But in real life, you have to do the same thing, right? You can't risk emotional attachment to these things because it's your job. You do it day in, day out, right? And it takes a toll on you. You can't afford to be emotionally invested in every single case that you work on. Because if you do... You're just not, like, jumping off a bridge or something because it, it exactly, takes a toll on it, you emotionally. It does take a toll. It does take a toll. Um, speaking about that, can we just jump into favorite moments and episodes? Um, okay. For me, one of my favorite episodes was the first one. The first the part. First. Called. The first episode. This is actually the episode that got me invested in this anime. Um, mm-hmm. Especially the, the, the whole Grandma and Nina situation. Um, that episode made me cry. Especially when Nina started crying and, and the way that the grandma was really like arrogant at first and she said, no, you're not taking Nina away and blah, blah, blah. And then she overheard the conversation Nina was having with uh, Isla and then she kind of started to warm up. And I don't know, even the, and it was everything. It was just the music that was playing as well and the fact that they put on the ring and she whispered something in, in Nina's ear and it just made me swell up and just cry my eyes out. Um, so that was one of my favorite episodes just because of that moment. And in a way it's like, I can, I can kind of relate it to my life. I'm not going to talk about that, but it hit home to me, I think. 
another one of my favorite episodes was um the the final episode where yes. basically she Isla gets this deactivated um and she goes on the Ferris wheel and by the time the Ferris wheel ends she um I don't know does she pass away or she deactivates basically yeah question were you, yeah. were you guys expecting it to be on the Ferris wheel like that soon or uh, the thing is when the anime started and when I realized that she was a giftier I knew that there was something up I knew that she has such a short lifespan specifically when she was basically made retired from the um you know from her first sort of action whatever she was made effectively retired, so I I knew that there was something wrong with her. Maybe she was defective, or she didn't have enough time left. So I kind of expected it, but not in the whole Ferris wheel thing. And I think that was a very beautiful ending, not an ending that I wanted to see, but nevertheless, it made it did make me cry. Those the first episode and the end and the last episode, so they were my favorite moments, just because of the emotion within those scenes specifically. That's the things that uh, stuck out for me. Alright, um, you know what? I'll start with episode 13 as well, which is the last one. I have to agree with you, Bish. Um, it really fucking kicks you right in the feels, right? Um, and I have to say, I'll, I'll be honest, right? Uh, before episode 13, uh, my impression of the series as a whole was like a 3 out of 5, right? But after that scene, I was like, there's no fucking way that that's a 3 out of 5. This is at least a 3.5, right? Because that scene alone, that scene alone makes the anime, in my opinion. It is, And the fact that, you know, Bish, you're talking about how how good the music is, right? And how it complements the, the emotions. The scene on the Ferris wheel, there's no music at all, right? And that just drives it home because they're completely alone, right? In the Ferris wheel and it just brings you to tears. Though I must admit, um, I didn't quite cry and I don't want you guys to be like, oh, aren't you a tough guy? The thing is, you said that the ending is sad, right, Bish? But, and I agree, it is heartbreaking, but... At the same time, I think that there are two ways of looking at this ending. Either you look at it from uh, Tsukasa's point of view, right? And um, you, you think that's really sad because, you know, his loved one is, is dying and stuff. But at the same time, I didn't cry because I, I saw it from um, Isla's point of view, right? She's only lived nine years, right? But in those nine years, she's met a bunch of people, right? Like Kizuka, Tsukasa. Um, and for her, she's lived a plentiful life and she's... She's just thankful for that, right? And this shows because she doesn't cry, right? Normally, she's the one crying, right? Like, a few episodes ago, she woke up in tears, right? And you never see Tsukasa crying. But in this last scene, it's kind of reversed, right? She's happy, and she's just thankful for everything. And he's the one in tears. So, it is sad, but at the same time, it it's also beautiful. You what never you know what you have until you lose it. Exactly. That's one, exactly. Uh, that's one saying that's really popular here and it basically conveys that you should be grateful for everything that you do have because mm -hmm. when you don't have it you will miss it and you will miss it dearly um Honestly, oh sorry like i mean i compare this scene to um that scene in boss of tempest right where yoshino just breaks down right i felt the same way inside you know you just feel really bad and just everything about that one scene in the Ferris wheel is done, like, masterfully, right? The music, or rather the lack thereof, the voice acting. Props to the voice actors, by the way, for uh, the great job. We'll get into that later, but for this scene, it w really struck home. 
There is one part in your statement that troubles me, Kevin, because you say that the moment in the Ferris wheel where Sukasa deactivates Ida makes the whole show, but you fail to recognize the work that was put in building to this very moment. What do you oh. feel about that? Oh, yeah, so sorry. Um, perhaps I didn't choose the right words. I'm not saying that, oh, this is the only reason you should watch the show, it's the only good thing about the show. By no means, of course. Like you said, if there was no development uh, for the relationship between uh, Isla and Tsukasa, uh, this would have had absolutely no impact. And it's just because the development was done over all those episodes that this scene was so sad, right? But what I meant to say is that this has got to be the most powerful scene in the anime, right? Like, you may have cried multiple times in the anime, or, you know, you might have felt sad, but this is the scene, right? This is the one that really shatters your heart into a million pieces, you know? It's the most emotional one, from my point of view, anyway. But by the... I feel that by this point, if you haven't already gotten on the field train, you are a monster. Um, <laughs> wow. I okay, like that. Well, I mean... I didn't really cry before. I felt bad in the other scenes, right? But this is the first scene where it's like... Because in the other scenes with emotions, it's mainly between uh, these owners and their giftias, right? And you don't really have much time with them. Right? I think the closest I came to crying before this was in episode 4, rather episode 5, you know? With, uh, I believe, Marcia, was that her name? Uh, and she yeah, went, she became a wanderer, right? So I felt really bad on that episode. But the thing is, at the end of the day... Those characters are kind of distant to me, right? You don't have time. You don't get time to know them too much. See that? That's kind of the thing. Off. I think with this, this is like um, something that I, I agree with you there. There isn't enough development, character development within side characters, and I really want to get involved mm -hmm. more. And usually, yes. romantic dramas yes. tend to have up to twenty six episodes, or at least a second season. I don't think we're going to see a second season, but I think I really doubt it. I think we should have at least gotten twenty six episodes so we could see more of those side characters and and experience their stories, so that we don't just have to focus on Isla and um, other guy. Sorry, I've kind of forgot his name, but <laughs> um, he's he's kind of irrelevant in one point. But yes, um, yeah. yeah, because from from what I'm seeing here is that they produce one anime a season so i think that the argument that they should have made plastic memories 26 episodes wouldn't have been feasible rather yeah it, rather but at the same time they, i think it should have been given to a studio who could have done it would that. have benefited more if it had 26 episodes because the, like, if, the thing is that this story is original so and the hmm. writer um works for dogakobo so you know, there's no other studio mm. that yeah. they, like, this idea could be pitched to. But the to thing is, at the same time, let, let's take all of the reality out of it and just talk about the anime itself. I think the anime would have benefited from having to, at yes. least 26 episodes. I mean, mostly, it, mostly because you're looking at this from the point of character development. But when you start to analyze it in regards to the themes that the show wanted to touch on, 12, uh, 13 episodes was enough. But anyway, i getting ahead of myself here. I want to address this in story. Favorite moments in episodes. Um, unlike, yes, the last episode was full of feels. I broke down in tears during that part. Mostly because of I care about this relationship. I care about the characters. And this was a very powerful scene. There's no doubt about that. But I will... 
put forth that my favorite episode was episode 11. This is the episode in which Isla wanted to learn how to cook for Sukasa, and it's basically full of all of these cute frames, these cute moments of the relationship that made me go all, this is genuinely heartwarming, and, and as such, is my favorite episode of the whole series. As for, um, as for favorite moments, because we've been keeping all the discussion to favorite episodes, but not really into favorite moments, if I am allowed to fawn over the character design for one moment, I would like to put forth um, one favorite moment on the episode that was in episode three. Yes, I get I get to see I get to see Sukasa's shirtless. Yes, dude. The moment I saw that, I was like, you know what? Tyson's gonna dig this shit. He's gonna dig it hard. <laughs> All right. Wow. And, and I did. And I did. It deserved like a Haru healing, like a Haru sexual healing moment there. No, it, Tyson, no, you it, need to get no, on no, that. No, he, he's still not as ripped as Nagisa, though, which is, like, pretty fucking alarming, considering Nagisa's, like, what, 16? Not only I didn't expect him to be that buff, but, and it was supposed to be hilarious, and yes, I laughed, but, hey, I'm the, I'm, I'm the type of person that I need more women fun servicing anime, and, they, and this was it. This was totally it. I'm just and, glad that they didn't overkill it. No, they, no, they didn't. Uh, they could've. They, uh, although they, although they could've. But it would have ruined the fucking when, anime if they just overkilled the the fan service. To be honest, I think I think but, that would have been hilarious. But it, imagine a Ferris but, wheel fucking he takes it, off his shirt, you know, <laughs> and then he starts to lift, then he starts to do pull ups, and like Isla, you can't depend on me. And then the dumbbell just slips off his hand, and then slides on the wall. He misses the wall. Oh I mean, it, 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 it was supposed to be a hilarious moment, but this is the one, this is the, this is the one part. I'm like, all aboard the Sukasa <laughs> ship! But I think it, I think it's mostly because in episode one, and episode two, I'm treated to fan service regarding women's butts. I think it was either Mishiru or it was between Mishiru. Um, what's the name of the other character? I have it here in my notes. It was either between Mishiru, Kasuki, or Eru. So there was so there was the fan service like in which they were practically bending over and the camera just has the attention on the butt. And I'm like, oh my god, really? So Tyson, quick question. What do you think on on this type of fan service compared to other anime? Let's say um you know, hug and I with the chest fan service type thing. It's what would you prefer? What's the lesser of two evils here? <laughs> the lesser of two evils um, for you personally. That's a good question, and I'll get back to you on that because I can't because I don't really have an answer now. I really. Well, don't. I'm asking you whether you like tits more or ass. Tits versus That's ass. Choose. <laughs> wow. Age old question. Wow. Well, I'm gonna say I. Well, the fan service wasn't like for me for some reason it wasn't as noticeable as it wasn't you, you know t like tits for some reason like tits in terms of fan service no but there's it, a lot more noticeable stuff there compared to just that ass no it, no but it, no but the I'm thing saying. about the tits fan service in the show it's meant to be hilarious and I took it as such mostly 
the tit fan service coming from Eru and the way that she basically gropes the boobs of this character I, oh, during man. the uh, during that, the, episode the thing is, the... with that, that's such a trope as well. Like we it see is. that in a lot of Japanese games it... and in anime as well. Like for instance, Senran Kagura, you got um, what's her name? Shit, I forgot her name. The blonde one in Senran Kagura is always groping people, and there's a bunch. Of... And even in like Love Live, Nozomi is the one that gropes people's breasts all the time, and we've seen this like time and time again in anime. There's always that one character that has to feel another character's breasts. Yeah. It's just, it's just there. I don't know, it's like, always there. That's why I didn't like. Well, it's just a cheap trope. Personally, to me. I find that in this anime, at least, I don't really mind the fan service because it wasn't detrimental to the story. It wasn't shoved in your face every single episode, right? And yeah, I did notice it, right? There are moments where I'm like, all right, yeah, they clearly shot the scene in this particular way to show off, you know, this. But it was never in your face, and it never gets in the way of the plot or development, right? Never once in the anime did I feel that. You know what? This is just all fan service, you know. And regarding that uh, that trope though in Eru, I don't know about you guys, but it makes me very fucking uncomfortable, right? Like it, just the glorification of, you know, what amounts to basically sexual harassment is just I don't get it. I mean, I understand it can be a joke, but like it's just, it's not really mature, right? And it's been beat to death, right? We've seen it in, like, every rom-com there is to talk about. Like, it's just... Why? You know? But the thing is, also, it kind of... It's something silly that takes away from the depressingness and drama exactly. of the anime. It feels so out I of place in this drama. It feels so out of place, but I think it needs to be there. Obviously not in this particular form, and I don't necessarily agree with this kind of form of fan service in a way, but it needed to be there in some form or another, or else, it's, like I said, would just get really depressing. All right, then. Um, we don't re I don't really have any time to discuss any further favorite moments, so let's go into any further story discussions that may have been remaining. Um, so I've been talking a lot about the themes of the show that it was trying to portray and how 13 episodes I felt was enough for what the story was trying to tell. And um, this came at a point in which I stopped looking at it as a human and android thing and more of a story about loss, about uh, about making memories, about life itself. Um, when you... Um, and I think it was Kevin the one that said that uh, with the very short time limit, um, this story would work more if there were with androids instead of human beings. And in hindsight, I agree. But, <clears throat> but in regards to the topics that it was trying to touch upon, I felt that it was successful. Um, although I do have slight issues with the with the pacing because. Um, I felt like the whole journey through was like, it, it was like brewing. Um, like you, like you put something on a pot, you turn up the heat and then you let it simmer, simmer until it's done. And this a metaphor to say that I felt that the, uh, that the first part, like the first six episodes were rather weak. And then on the finale is when it got good. Um, so, in a way, the story is a test of patience. What do you guys think about that? 
to some extent yes but i would say completely different i was i didn't kind of feel like you in the sense where you were gonna potentially drop it if you had watched it simulcasted i was just very invested mainly because of the fact that it is <clears throat> i didn't really treat it as an anime where we you know we discuss loss and uh loss of loved ones etc i treated it more as a romantic drama and i wanted to see how that romance went and that's also why i suggested a 26 episode run for this anime mainly because i feel that even their relationship um we see them skip months in advance years in advance and it's just i really wanted to know in between i wanted more sort of filler episodes where you see them dating etc because at the end of the day this is a romance anime and I expect to see a lot more from a romance. I want to see the romance blossom, etc. But at the same time, I like how it's also quite short and abrupt because it kind of it fits for the anime, you know? Because Isla doesn't have much time. You know, her life is also short and abrupt. So now, to be fair, to be fair, if I had watched this simulcast, my feelings on the matter would be completely different because I wasn't quite so on the romantic drama while binging the whole show like in two days but if i was watching this week by week i would probably be more invested in the romantic dra drama side of things but i am um, but given the circumstances in which i watched this show i was more concerned with the themes that the show was trying to portray and less on the romantic drama side of things um kevin what do you have to add well um I actually have a third point of view to add here, uh, but I'll address the, the pacing thing first. Uh, like you guys said, at the end of the day, I think that it really would have benefited from a 26 episode run to get us to feel more for the side characters, because this show revolves around, at the end of the day, it revolves around two people, and that's Ayla and Tukasa, right? So you don't really give a shit about too many of the side characters, to be honest. But uh, instead of like a romantic comedy like you saw at Bish or uh, Tyson, you saw it as some, some sort of anime that comments on life, love, and all that. I saw it more of like a philosophical anime. You know, what does it mean to be human? You know, it, what makes you human? Is it, you know, your biology? Is it your emotions and stuff? And I think it's really that uh, it's a journey that Isla makes with Tsukasa and just discovering what it is to be human and what it is to be loved, right? And I do agree that, um, yeah, in the end, uh, 12 episodes did have enough time to wrap up the relationship between these two, but it's a double-edged sword, to be honest. The short length is really a double-edged sword because, yes, it really hammers the, uh, you know, the brevity of these androids' lives, but at the same time, you're doing it at the cost of development of other characters, right? And, yes, the main characters are important, they are what really carries the story, but without a solid supporting cast, it feels kind of lacking at times. What you guys think? When you point it out as a um, as a philosophical coming um, life and what it meant to be human, in hindsight, I have to agree with that. I got I got some I got some hints that the commentary of this anime was trying to say that as well, but I ended up going the other way and saying that it was more a comment on. Human relationship, human relationships, uh, and, and and what and, and what it means to have it to have someone by your side, and, and, and someone and something like that. Um, I find myself 
I think if, if, if for me it's difficult to agree with extending the length of a, of the anime because, in my point of view, thirteen episodes did the job. It told the story that it wanted to tell, and I'm content with that. And this is also a preface to say that I wouldn't want a second that I wouldn't want a second season, mostly because it would ruin the narrative that second that season one tried to establish and that it was successful at it. All right, so. What say we move into characters, unless there's something more about the story that you guys wanted to bring up? Honestly, I think characters and story go hand in hand. Yeah, they do. Honest. They do go hand in hand. But at the same time, it's like this anime doesn't want you feeling for like other characters except for Isla and whatever his name is. See, he's so irrelevant. Yeah, I just he's I mean, like the Hawkeye of the Avengers. He, that's basically what he is. I'm going to call him Hawkeye for the rest of the episode because that's he's irrelevant. Not even. Like you could replace him with I don't know. He could change his name to uh generic protagonist number 54321 and like it wouldn't change anything because he really is typical in my opinion because he's you know the exactly. run of the mill nice guy protag, you know, who's always nice all the time and there's no unlike other characters is there anything mm-hmm. interesting about his background? Nope. No. He's just a daddy's exactly. boy who got a job at a company. But that's the that's thing. That's all you need to that's know. A lot of characters in romance animes, for some reason, their dad gets them a job and they're losers. You know, we see this a lot. Why can't he be a fucking winner? Like, the thing you is, know? with Isla, okay, you understand what she's been through, right? You you get a glimpse exactly, at yeah. her past relationships with Kazuki and stuff, right? With Tsukasa, it's like, you don't know anything about him. He's just there, you know? And his exactly. development starts... From the moment he walks in that. the office, and it's it just goes on from there. You don't get any backstory in him, which makes him really You know, I, I would be surprised, because looking at this anime, you can tell that Isla is more human than he is. He should have been the gifty in this situation. Honestly, <laughs> he really should. I, I completely agree with that. She has more emotions than he does, because he, he's exactly. really one-dimensional as a protagonist, to be honest. Because Isla, I think she shows... Yeah. A wide range of emotions, and yeah, Tsukasa he mm-hmm. does cry at the end. All right, I admit. But I don't. I don't know he, because Isla um, manages between stoic, happy, embarrassed. That's it between those three between those three modes. But Tsukasa, to me, he's always like the typical nice guy, right? You know what he's exactly how he's going to react to certain situations, right? It. It's like I've seen the same character in so yeah, many different anime shows and movies. Exactly. But they didn't but, but didn't bitch establish from the first second before the discussion that this was a tropey show? Yes. It, tropey no, I didn't say it was a rom com. I said it was a, a romantic drama. That, that was me. It is it is quite uh, oh, okay, okay. Um, okay, my bad. Tropey in terms of how romances work in terms of anime? Um, but yeah, the fact that even the main character was overly tropey, I just didn't enjoy that. And the rest of the characters, I don't, I don't really have opinions on them because you don't see them a lot, except for Zack and the Sundera girl. Yeah. That's it. Those are the only characters I care for because you see them in the first episode and you see them in other episodes honest, as well. So he's just there and then they forget about them. And then they try and do a romance arc the first, with the like- Sundera girl and the protagonist, which clearly <laughs> didn't work. And I don't know why the hell they do it. It's no, kind of like in Orimo when they try and do the those side arcs, those side romance arcs, when you know he's going to marry his sister in the end. Sorry for the spoilers on Orimo, but there you go. So it's a similar sort of thing here. You know he's, he's destined to be with Isla. He's going to go out with Isla. So why do they hint on that sort of romance between Tsukasa and uh, I forgot the name of Sundera girl, but why do they hint on that? 
Yeah, why did they Michiru. shoot on Michiru and Tsukasa when clearly that's not what they were trying to go for? I, it might have been just to facilitate ships and not to completely crush people's dreams. The ironic and then just thing is, the I don't anyway, even have just, ships you know, in this anime. Just because. That's the thing. I don't either. I have two, but they're not really major. Because the thing is, for ships to happen, you need exactly. solid secondary characters. That's not really the case in this anime. It's like, okay, you only you really can ship Tsukasa with Isla. And honestly, I wouldn't even say that Tsukasa and Isla is a very solid ship because the main, the most interesting character in this ship here is Isla. Tsukasa, like, he's, we've already established that he's very boring and very typical, all right? Like, so really, it's really Isla that he's is there. Exactly. keeping this relationship and, up. And that's know? why I have to say, Tsukasa is my least favorite character and Isla has to be one of my favorite characters other than Zack. I, I, really I really do like Zack as well, so... You know, he's like the Nagisa of the anime. Like, wow, he looks like Nagisa. He no, it, no, no, it's a, it, it, it. There's a sort of pattern here in which Bish is attracted to the asshole characters of H and every show that we cover here on Kunai. He's not because, that much of an asshole, though. Do you no, really think so? yes, because he's always spoiling what's on Michiru's mind, and he and he's very loose tongued. I mean, dude, no, but shut up. It, Whoa, 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 Tyson. I guess okay. we found out who your favorite character is. Hands up, don't shoot. Hands up. <laughs> but actually like... actually, um I don't have a favorite character. I don't have a least favorite character, although Zack may be close to that denomination in regards to least favorite character. Damn. I do have one question on Mishidu. If and it's how when on the show was hinted that she had a thing for Tsukasa. What, she likes to bully him or something? Or is he just, just being uh, a, a, her soon sight? That's how, generally, that's how Sundara characters work. They're only mean to the people it's that they like. Explicitly. And... But, but, in this, but in this occasion, I get no sort of subtext or context into but why then, she To be honest, that's Tsukasa. Like, I'm like... Uh, I'm like, why does Tsukasa like Isla? Exactly. I think why, it's why poor character like development they, on that fell for point. First sight. But it's it's blatantly obvious yeah. that because they introduced a Sundera character, there was no need to introduce a Sundera character unless you were going to make that some sort of love interest or some sort of love story arc between the two characters. Or at exactly. least give her a reason to exist. This show but didn't do anything yo, with that. That's the case and, for like and, 99% of the side characters. Hey, like literally. And, Hang on, and I want to address this because you said that why Tsukasa fell for Isla. It was a love at first, uh, at first sight. It was established in the, in the first yeah, but at episode. Then, even then, that's With not Michiru, even an acceptable why? answer. Like love at first sight, that's very tropey. So is that's so a, is the, the whole fact of introducing a Sundera character who you know she. She clearly likes him because she says something, and then she says, "Oh no, no, I didn't mean to say that." She gives him a compliment, then takes back the compliment with with an insult. That is clearly Sundera love. Yeah, and she's got that. Just saying. It's a, it's a plot device, you know. Like, I is, have here in my notes that uh, Michiru is a you hopeless can tell, romantic. That's it's it. so obvious in, from my point of view that she's into what's his face to Hawkeye because you know. She's always, you know, teasing him and, you know, being mean to him. And she always blushes at him, right? So, it, she's such a typical Tsundere character. It's hard not to see that she's into him, right? But, 
Uh, um, on the note of characters, though, because uh, I haven't said, said who my favorite character is. Obviously, it would be Isla, but, you know, you guys already said that. But I'd like to give an honorable mention to one of the side characters, right? Because I said almost all of the side characters are kind of, like, replaceable and really cliche. The one side character, I think, that really, you know, stuck out to me the most is Kazuki, right? Because she plays a role, you know, of, of a big s sister and mentor, right? And she's mean, right? And her being mean is obviously, well, being mean and scary. That's obviously a trope, right? Because it happens time and time again. But at the same time, I feel that she does get some involvement because it, it is clear that, yeah, she is mean, but she truly does care about the one those around her, right? She does care about Ayla and she does care about Tsukasa and how the relationship is But once going. again, that is kind of like a trope we've seen this in Henneko as well. Um, the, uh, what's it called? The president of the running club. She's in a similar sort of situation. She is the older sister. She's mean to the protagonist, but at the same time, she has a reason for being mean because she just wants to take care of, you know, the the kind of little sister in this situation, which is Isla. So it's the same sort of thing. This is a trope that we see again and again in sort of romance anime. Like, it's just there. Yeah, I mean... I personally found her to be less tropey. Well, perhaps not less, less tropey, but at least she had some more development than some other characters. Like, for example... Um, oh, yeah, of course. Constance. But the thing is, she needed she needed to have... The, she needed to be developed so that she could further develop Isla's mm -hmm. story. Yeah, they're really secondary. Because, you know, they, they used to be part of around the main characters here. Honestly, I'd say that a lot of the secondary characters, you could replace them with generic people and we want to make a difference like constance what the hell was his he role was just there and you know anime? he they all of them kind of remind right. me of like designs of vocaloids when you look at them like even their clothing and constance kind of reminded me of yo sherry yeah. sherry oh my all god right. okay sorry sherry probably has the best character design in terms of aesthetic in my opinion right that's because she reminds me of rin wow. in a way, just because wow. the yellow clothing wow, wow. i'm just sorry because I, of I, that i had to bring it up from a and you know Constance reminds view, me like of design, um, right? I'm not saying that she's a good character. Yeah, Kaito, so yeah. it, it's kind of you can tell that they probably looked at some crypt, uh, some Krypton Future Media vocaloids and they're like, let's rip this off. Probably because everyone has different hairstyles. It's like they went through a checklist for the characters, right? It's like, all right, do we have um, like a Jiraiya or a Love Guru in the office? Yep, that's uh, Yasutaka. Do we have a Sundere? Oh, yep, that's Michiri. Do we have a perv? Oh yeah, that's Eru. You know, it's like they just went through a checklist of all of a, a, a bunch of tropes, right? And they just check, 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 and they don't really have a meaningful reason to be in the anime, you know? By the way, I want to know specifically, Kevin, your thoughts on Zack. Because you said some very interesting things on Twitter that I really want to call you out on. Okay, at first, when I, like, bear with me here, alright? This is the very first episode, right? And they didn't introduce him yet, you just saw him on screen, alright? So yeah. Keep that in mind, all right? Before you say anything, did you not notice that all the female characters in this anime are wearing skirts? And Zack is Yeah, no, he was the only one wearing the, trousers. The desk, okay? He was he was I noticed yeah, that okay. afterwards. But but they were all sitting down at the office so I couldn't see, right? In my defense, this has happened to me before in Attack and Sign, right? With Armin. Like I said, Armin <laughs> looks almost exactly well to a person who first starts watching it almost looks exactly like historia right and you have to say it's giving me a free pass here that zach he does his voice actor i think uh it's probably a woman because no it's not it's very it's high a man. pitched it's a man 
Okay, well, the thing is that the way the voice actor voiced him, it's just that he could either A, be a guy with a very high-pitched voice, mm -hmm. or a girl with a slightly deep voice, right? I'm joking, it was a woman that voiced him. It was a woman, yes. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. It just, I shows, like... it just shows how naive you are, Kevin. You just believe well, the first thing I said. I could have said it was a donkey, and you'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, hey! Wow! I trusted you because I thought you were checking on like the Wikipedia page or something, right? Yeah. But yeah. No, I'm I'm the one who does that. Bitch doesn't do shit. Hey, <laughs> hey, Tyson! Calm your tits. Break right? it up! Break it up! <clears throat> but I don't know, Zach. My honest opinion, Zach Fish. Uh, he's sort of funny. He's he's one of the many sources of comic relief, but he's not really notable. He's just there. He's a compliment to uh, or the antithesis, if you will, to Michiru, right? He doesn't really have a reason to mm -hmm, be mm -hmm. in the anime. He's just there because you need to have co-workers in the office or else it wouldn't work. Fun fact, uh, the voice actor, the voice actress, Sayuri, she voices someone in um, SYD. You know the uh, Suzu-chan, the very small character? No. She voices her. Oh! Oh, okay, yeah. yeah and she's not. also in Bakuman. She's Kaya in Bakuman. Oh yeah, I I knew why why her voice was so familiar to me, and yeah. I couldn't land it on the uh, um. Oh my gosh! Oh, you could quite put your put your finger on it. I couldn't. Now I couldn't you, put my now finger. Now you have your your finger on it, so it's fine. No, but apparently this voice actress also does a character in Haganai, Yukiko. That's probably the assistant two character. I don't. What? Wait, who's Yukiko in Haganai? Who the I fuck have... is Yukiko? <laughs> yeah. That's what I need to realize. Who the fuck is Yukiko? Is it the, the short hair redhead? Wait. No, it, it, no. When I up? open when I open up the link, this character Yukiko Nagata is a character with gray hair, short gray hair, and she's a minor character. That's what it says here. Let me see what she looks like. So I can oh, I know who she is. Tyson, that's a character in a game. Oh, it's on the game because... It's in, it's in the game. <laughs> no, I mean, it's in the game that Senna plays in... Oh! She's a oh, librarian oh, oh. in the game, Tyson. Oh, okay, okay, okay. My bad, my bad. My bad. Yeah, I was like, damn, did I forget some major character? Did may maybe Tyson yeah. saw some season three of Haganai and this character was in there? I was like, whoa, <laughs> how does Tyson get this information? And it was a character in a game. The it, the thing is that AIC uh, no longer does animate, so yeah. What? Oh. What? Uh -huh. AIC? Are you telling, are you telling me there's a no, there's not gonna be a season three? No, season no, three. no, no. <laughs> no fuck, fuck you. No, no, what? there still might be a Hagenai season three. Like, there's still hope. Guys. There, there's still hope. There's still as hope. As we believe, there's they still were hope. planning a season three. But then AIC stopped doing anime. So, no, yeah. no, no! You've crushed our dreams, Tyson. I was fucking waiting for a season three I, since season two. To ended. be fair, that, I that have, is I his job, bitch. I have done something good before. Something that I will announce later. You know, you know what, Tyson? You can go and fuck off for telling me that information. <laughs> I, I that refuse was... to believe that. <laughs> that. No, no. You know anyway, what? Now? I'm, anyway. I'm not even going to continue on this episode because I'm just depressed. I'm really the. <laughs> I've been waiting for Agonai season three for a long time. Now I'm going like to have to read 3. more visual novel, uh, visual, uh, not visual novels, uh, light novels, and that's boring. And I know the anyway. light novels already ended. Ah, fuck. Anyway, anyway, let's continue on to Kevin's dissertation of sack. Kevin. Oh no, Kevin's I'm, I'm depressed done. He's now. He's like, let's just move on. You know. 
I'm I'm moving on to the next point. Who is your favorite okay. character? Who's, who's the best girl? Really, I don't have best girl in this anime because the characters are the, not like really well developed. And I'm not going to just say Isla. So, so yeah, it's the only choice there is, to be honest. Effectively, even though there is a lot of female characters in this anime and a lot of traps, which Kevin seems to like. So, <laughs> I, no, hey. I'm the I'm the trap lover, not Kevin. Both of you are trap lovers. Yeah, yeah. Kevin no. likes traps as well. <laughs> No, I Kevin, actually, you're, you're a I real do it. I do it you know? unwittingly. I, you're that's the kind the thing, of that's person that would watch Boku no Pico and enjoy it. You're that kind of person. Oh! All right. What? Yeah. Mate, mate. Okay. One. MW two. Rust. One v one. Come on, yeah, right now. Okay. Right I'll, now. I'll, I'll, do you have it on Xbox? <laughs> I, oh no, shit! I just sold the game today. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> to get Overwatch? <laughs> yeah, to get Overwatch. I had to sell Fuck. all of my games. <laughs> just right, to get Tyson, give me 40 bucks on your budget. I'm gonna go buy Overwatch. Fuck yeah, 1v1 me and Overwatch. Fuck you, man. <laughs> anyway, um, who's, who is your... Well, I'm guessing no one has best girls, which is a no, rarity. I think I don't. None of the char- like none of the side characters are really worthwhile or well-developed, right? There is no choice here, unfortunately. The thing... The, the thing with me is that my approach to this show doesn't allow me to do the kind of fandom thing of choosing best girls or choosing best ships or something of the sort so i won't i won't uh, i won't give it the fandom th- the treatment to this show so that means we're just going to move on to uh audio because we have no ships and no best girls, which is the first time on kunai where we didn't talk about either one which is crazy we did have best characters but we have best no characters, really but not best girl. Exactly. Yeah. No one's yeah. really worthy. You're not worthy. Anyway, so um, in terms of the audio visual, the audio, the you know, it's it's all right. It's all right audio, but it's, it's mainly the music. The intro and the outro I really didn't really care for, but it's mainly the music and the emotional moments. That's when it kicks in and it's like, shit, I'm going to cry now, isn't it? And yes, they prepare you for that with the music beforehand and... I, that's all I have to say in regards to the music. It wasn't on the level of Tempest because Tempest and Attack on Titans music is just next level shit in terms of emotional stuff. But it was in between the two. I wouldn't say it had like a shitty soundtrack. It's not a generic like exactly, rom-com yeah. soundtrack. It's not. But it's not. But let's know, be honest. I would download this music. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Expect yeah, I know. I know. Something like it had. One. It had some orchestral numbers on there i thought yeah. kevin would be able to yeah. catch in on those i did uh, although i caught in quite late uh, not late quite late uh like in my notes in episode seven you know um there is some nice orchestral music especially with the piano it's very piano heavy but mm. at the same time there's also some music for the comedic moments which i find kind of typical so in terms of the music for the moments that are supposed to be funny it's pretty run-of-the-mill pretty generic uh, in terms of the music that's done in the emotional moments, uh, that could be... I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad, right? But it's not amazing, you know? But it does enough to, uh, you know, uh, to drive the point home. I will go and probably break my record here in saying that in regards to this soundtrack, I wouldn't mind owning it. I really wouldn't. I like mm. the instrumental compositions that much that I would be willing to buy the soundtrack if one has been released. I haven't done the research to see if they have released it, but if there is, I wouldn't mind owning it. Mm-hmm. To, to be, be honest, I'll be completely frank here. 
to be honest, for me, it's not something that I would own. Like, I personally own the soundtracks for, like, Golden Time and Toradora, and those soundtracks were fucking amazing for romantic dramas. This really, it's, it's something I would listen to, but not something I would actually go out and research and actually purchase on iTunes, because it's not, it's not, like, that awesome. You know, I won't listen to this. You know, on the bus or you now. Yeah, of course not. No, no, no. Stuff. It's not. I would probably, I would probably listen it to it on um, the way on the drive to work. Probably, um, it would probably tear up a little bit because I because there's nothing like the taste of feels in the morning. I mean, I hear, I hear that tears make your breakfast. Yeah, you know, exactly. More They're better. great. <laughs> but the thing is, I guess it all depends on your uh, taste in music, right? Yeah. For me, uh, I like music when it's either A, catchy, or B, when it's so emotional that you can re like relive the scene in your head as you're listening to it, right? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, this anime, it's not bad music, but exactly. doesn't so that's meet either of that, like, those criteria. Especially because this anime is supposed to be like a romantic drama and whatnot. Like, for example, I own the Toradora soundtrack. I'm going to keep on saying this, but there's times where I don't want to listen to the Toradora soundtrack because... The music just gets me really. Yeah. It just it's like oh shit, this scene happened, and that music yeah. was playing. I was like fuck, I can't listen to this. Do you know what I mean? This anime mm-hmm. doesn't have that sort of thing with their soundtrack, and it's a shame, really. I think they could have done a lot better on the music, but as a whole, it, it's it, was, not bad. it was all right. It gets yeah. the job done. Exactly, it gets the job. It gets the job done. But I think it would have been a lot better. And I do agree with you when you said at the beginning where um, the final scene didn't have any music. I think that was a good choice. Yeah, for them to do obviously because Definitely. you notice it and you focus more on what's going on. Mm-hmm. All right, fair enough. What about the opening and ending? I I've already mentioned it. Opening and ending to me really. Oh, uh, I will be honest with you because I watched this on Viewster, mm-hmm. and uh, sorry, sorry for the humble brag here, but. I was watching on Vista, and for some reason, they skip the endings if you're marathoning it, kind of like Netflix. So it skips really? the opening and the endings, yeah. You really? can turn wow. it off, yeah. It worked for me. Uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just that they know that I like to skip the openings and the endings, but <laughs> I don't know. But for me, it skipped the openings and the endings, except the first one. Oh, wow. And the first episode if you have an opening. If you didn't skip the opening, there is a little detail that I found to be quite nice when... I saw it before the, the episode starts because it mostly reflects on uh, Isla's uh, current mood, where whether she's stoic, happy, embarrassed, is is shown on that last frame. So in a way, I think Dogakobo had to make like four or five different versions of the opening itself just to showcase that. Um, that little change on Isla's uh, current mood, whether she smiles or just stays serious, at the very end when all the creditors are uh, are listed, something like that. For me, uh, I started off watching this anime. The opening uh, initially for me was uh, is kind of typical, to be honest. Uh, nothing too too special, but admit uh, over the course of the series, it has grown on me a bit. Still not like legendary or super amazing but it's pretty nice right uh ending i honestly skipped it every time i just thing is for endings unlike openings uh which i actually occasionally watch for endings if it doesn't like hook me right away i just kind of just know skip next episode that's what i do how about the visual design 
what do you guys think about that? To be honest, like for me, I didn't really focus on the visuals. For me, it was just like, okay, this is it's good enough for the anime. It wasn't something spectacular. Because to be honest, this kind of anime doesn't need awesome visuals like Attack on Titan. Because there is really no action going on. There is the occasional running scene, which, uh, you know, I don't know what to say about that. But this anime doesn't really need hyper-realistic or hyper-amazing-looking visuals. That's just all I have to say. Although the eyes are good. That's... That's another thing. The eyes are really nicely, you know, shaded and and uh, and whatnot. I don't have many specific comments on animation or art style, but I will go ahead and say that there were some interesting experiments with framing in both. Um, let's see what my notes say. There were some very interesting epi- uh, framing experiments in. Episode six and ep- on the very first episode, when they are at the grandma's house, the framing was just it was done in such a way that it communicated stuff via the frame itself, and that's good. That's good cinematography. Um, I would I really appreciate li- little details like that. I thought that, and it's a shame because I thought that. Some of the background art in Plastic Memories was really good, but it wasn't used as often as I would prefer, especially if it was done by the same artist, because usually the artists who drew who draw backgrounds are separate from key animators or in-between animators. If the same person that did um, the background art for different... Uh, um, for different scenes in this show was the one who did it for the entirety of the episodes which were in reality very little it's a shame that I didn't saw more of that um, it's probably and I would even go as far as say that it's a waste of talent I believe it was that beautiful probably time consuming yes but it was beautiful um, in regards to animation, I don't have uh, the only the only comment that I have that it was really interesting was the cleaning singing episode thirteen, the last episode, um, when Sukasa and Ida are cleaning their uh, their little apartment. There were some exercises in animation that I found were really interesting. They were really detailed. Um, they were. Um, Probably the word that I'm looking for here is that they were really accurate, um, down to the inertia of how stuff moves. And when you think about anime, that is something that you have to push out each and every week, and you're on a tight budget schedule. Um, that scene was impressive. Whoever worked on that scene is um, is is really good. And it was probably because he was given the time to do this scene. So, yeah, props to Dogakobo for, for that scene. Other than that, I don't have many particular comments on animation or the art style. Or, hang on, there is one comment that I want to do on the art style, and that I'm a fan of the character design. Um, let's see who did the character design. Is a apparently it's a, it's a woman. It's called Shiaki Nakajima. She, um, I'm looking at her Anime News Network page, and she did work for pretty much 
all of Dogakobo's um, projects. Character design, Love Laugh, Yuri Yuri. Um, I'm seeing here that she did, um, let's see, in, she did key animation for High School Today, Himoto Maru-chan. She did work on the Evangelion movie. Oh, she also she also did key animation on Eating of the East, which is another series which I thought it had good animation and good character design, even if it, even if it was a bit jarring. She also did work on Penny and Stocking, wow. episode ten key animation. Wow. But but that's about all that I'm looking here mm-hmm. in her Animanius Network page. Kevin, any points that's- to for the art style and animation or? Not uh, a lot of points, but I have a few. Uh, mm-hmm. So one thing I did notice is that the way uh, the coloring was done, I found that the color palette that they chose was rather bright. Uh, and I noted this because um, it kind of contrasts with the darker tones and darker scenes uh, that are in the anime, right? It's kind of, it doesn't really kill the mood, but it's just noticeable when, you know, people are crying or, you know, it's really depressing and all the colors are super bright, you know? So that's one thing I noted. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the animation there's mu- not much to scale to be honest because there isn't too too much movement um the it's landscape prob- sorry um you were mentioned that when the characters were crying it shifted to a more bright aesthetic and i think that's more an exercise on the camera re- uh, replicating what the replicating a human eye because oh no when you when you cry um, um you'll see that the colors look brighter all around you. You could make the argument that it was a bit too bright, but I'm going to present that as an alternative that it was probably an exercise on the camera, the framing, and trying to emulate what the human eye sees. I, no, I didn't mean that you know, it got brighter during the crying scenes. It's just the, the coloring that you used for um, the character designs and environments, they're rather bright, in my opinion, for um, a dark anime. But, you know, that's a design choice that they made. It didn't really... You know, ruin the anime by means, mm. but it's something the, that I noticed. The thing I want to say there is because I think it needs it needs to be there once again as a balance, because you can have it like seriously depressing and make all the scenes look kind of darker and make the characters wear a lot of khaki and darker clothing. Um, but it just it would just add to the dramaticism and it would just make the anime really depressing. And I think they didn't want to go for that. It's it's clearly evident knowing what yeah. the anime is about. Um, in regards to gripes and grumbles, because I really want to get into this, because this is very important. Mm. Um, yep. I had a couple of issues with this anime. One of them was being pacing and having it needing yeah. to be like more episodes and whatnot. Another one is is how they ended it, because you see throughout the anime, um, Sukasa he has different um, options. Yeah. Are you talking about the the ending or like the post credits ending? Which one are you talking to uh, about? Sorry. I'm talking about the ending. The ending, not the post credit ending. The post. Okay. Cre- to be honest, the post credit ending was you know it's been nine months later and he he finds a new, he goes back to his job and he gets a new giftier to work with. That that's it. Um, I just found the ending to be a bit shitty. The reason that is is because he was throughout the anime. You see him having a number of options. You know, you see him, okay, what would happen if Isla was to extend the time period? She would go crazy and, and try and harm people similar to uh, Marzia. Or, um, or you know, he can... Mishu's have, dead. Yeah, or, or he can have um, have her be terminated, 
or he can upgrade the OS. So one thing that I, for me that I didn't really like the ending, and I think this is a, a douchey move, and I think the reason that they've done this ending was mainly to prepare for the game, because games like this tend to have like uh, visual novels, and visual novels tend to have a canon ending to them, as well as a various range of different endings. And I think the game, uh, the anime was set up to prepare for the visual novel. And I think that was not right. Even if there is a game though, Bish, I mean, there are, are multiple endings. Like you said, there is only one canon ending, right? So that... Yeah, but usually the canon be... ending is after the anime, the anime's ending. Do you see what I mean? Ah, uh, okay. Like, for example, I don't want to spoil Toradora, but there is a scene in the Toradora game, which is considered the true canon ending, which happens 10 years after the the ending within the anime. Okay, and now that, that's some bullshit. See, but... that's what I'm saying. This bullshit can continue potentially, and that's what they're going to do. And I'm going to well, have to play the game to find out. Only time will tell, to be fair. We don't but, know yet. But let's right? be honest, most visual novels tend to do this. And this is not a discussion on visual novels, but this is more so a discussion on how the anime was kind of tailored around making a visual novel it might be the case as tyson mentioned in previous episodes of the podcast that there was some sort of game development company within the um production committee committee and that's kind of why they've done this maybe but only time will tell and we just don't know that information so we can't assume speaking of endings though i don't know how you guys feel about the post credit scene because to me i mean at first i was like okay but in retrospect i think it's kind of like a dick move, and I hope if I hope that they address it in the novel because they introduce you to well, they quote unquote introduce you to this new partner of um, what's his you face? Know, of Hawkeye's you, you, exactly, but they don't get the face. You so get like what the fuck? It. You don't get closure. That's what I'm saying. That's why even in the uh, trailer for the visual novel, there's the in the text it says, "May I please meet the person most precious to me again someday." Dot dot dot. And I'm like, what the fuck? This is this is my issue with it. This is my issue. Because we are only going to get true closure within this visual novel that most of us are, are not going to have the ability to play because it's a Vita game. And secondly, there is no chance in hell that this game is going to be localized. We know this. So, yeah. Or at least have some sort of English subtitles. So that's the issue here. We're never going to find out closure because there isn't a second season for us to. Do you see what I mean? This is why I'm saying a second season would at least be better, or at least an OVA, let's be honest here. An OVA would be a, a better solution compared to this visual novel and... No argument there. I definitely agree. Especially with the, the way it ended. But, you know, other than this ending, you know, which we we spent a lot of time, you know, bashing on, um, I think you guys will agree with me here if I say that, personally, my main gripes... Um, are, is just the, the lacking character development for secondary characters. And even for the main character, for freaking... What is it? I forget his name. Like, honestly, I completely forget his name. Michiru? What? Tsukasa? Tsukasa, okay. I keep on thinking of, like, like Mikasa, Tsukasa, when I see his name. But, you know, Tsukasa, right? He's such a typical and boring protagonist. And the secondary characters don't help that, right? So, it's just... For drama, right, especially for romantic drama, where relationships are so important and you don't really get to feel for these relationships because the characters are so flat, it really hurts the anime, right? And although I guess it is another issue, you know, with um, the length, if they had more time, they could have developed these characters more. But alas, we're reviewing the anime as it is, not as we wish it 
could be. I really don't have any particular comment to make on the character development. Um, and alas, I'm just gonna state my position once again that I felt that the show did what it had it had to do to tell a story. I'm really a bit okay. bish. Mm -hmm. I've already given my my gripes and grumbles, and I think we've already discussed would we like to see a second season. Um, but I just want to summarize it. I think I did say before a second season would be better than the dick move that they did to kind of promote this kind of visual novel thing. Um, and how the story wrapped is kind of effectively wrapping around this visual novel's true ending. Um, but in hindsight, a second season wouldn't be a good thing. And we've already discussed that. I think an OVA would be better, at least for closure. And we might see one because the DVD is releasing soon in July and in September. So we actually might fingers see crossed. some sort of OVA, fingers crossed. Now, yeah, same here. I mean, I'll never play the visual novel. And, you know, with a loose end that they left at the very end in the post credit scene, I hope they do wrap that up um, in the OVA. But um, other than that, I think that I've said all there is to say about Gripes and Grumbles. Uh, you know what? With all this in mind, though, would you guys recommend this? Or, and um, if so, who would you recommend it to? I sure would. I sure would recommend this to someone. I think someone who is <clears throat> into a lot of dramatic anime, whether that is romantic or not, to be honest, I really did it. For me, the romance didn't really hit home. It was more like the dramatic and the emotional elements of the anime, especially when, you know, characters are, are dying or whatnot. Oh, bitch, you're getting arrested. I'm getting arrested because my opinions are, are too much for any Twitter. <laughs> the thought police is here. <laughs> the thought uh, police. <laughs> but, yeah, but what I'm saying here is that I... Yeah, I would recommend it to someone who's into dramatic anime and who, who just sometimes want to... Just want to cry a bit, I think, because this anime does get you crying a lot. And I also think it's for people that really want to know... Um, I wouldn't say know the meaning of life because it doesn't really do that. But I mean that they need to kind of focus on something. Like sometimes there's a lot going on in life and you need something as an anchor. And I think this anime could potentially provide that uh, as opposed to like you look back in life and you say, oh shit, there's more to life than just being, you know, sad. I have to live life while I have it. Do you know what I mean? I think the anime would work well for people who are seeking I mean, that, that is one of the main themes, right? So I can definitely see where you're coming from. Oh, by oh, by the way, um, there is something that I want to clarify at the beginning. Um, the writer for this story, Naotaka Hayashi, he doesn't work for Dogakobo. He pitched, he merely pitched it for Dogakobo, and they were the ones who accepted it. Also, Naotaka Hayashi was the one who wrote Steins Gate. Mm. Okay. Very mm. interesting. <laughs> With that out of the way, I'm sorry for it. <laughs> Inter interrupting. No, it's all right. Um, Tyson, what what do you think? Would you um, give it to a friend to watch or? Yeah, sure. Not it's certainly not one that isn't familiar with anime, but I would recommend, at least from my perspective, to be patient because this anime takes a lot to build its drama and its narrative. And <clears throat> probably, and probably to this person that I may recommend it to, the ideal person would be like-minded, like he or she would see the subtext into, hey, 
I've, I personally felt this story talk about um, the <clears throat> about the meaning of relationships between hum between humans, and it uses androids to um, to develop that narrative. So, um, so I would uh, I would say yes, but it had to be someone who's already familiar with anime, and you have to be patient. To, for it to get to the good stuff, because it does a lot of build up, but when, um, but when the build up hits its climax, you are already on the field train, and you're no way in hell getting off of it until the end of the show. Hmm. As for me, um, like Jason said, I I would perhaps recommend it to a certain group of people, not to anyone, right? I wouldn't recommend it to uh, newcomers to anime because. Uh, mainly because of the pacing, honestly. Other, not even the tropes, it's mainly because of the pacing, right? Because it starts off really slow, and the best parts of the anime, in my opinion, are at the very end, right? So someone who's new to the anime and, you know, might be uncomfortable with the tropes and the jokes and all that might not stick around for all that time, right? So uh, it'd be something I recommend to experienced uh, anime viewers. Uh, in terms of drama, hmm. I mean, it is dramatic and it is emotional at times, but I personally find that uh, it would not be the first dramatic anime that I would recommend, right? So if someone were to ask me, no, hey, Kevin, what, uh, what anime would you recommend that's dramatic, you know, that's really good? Uh, this would not be my first choice. Although, if it's someone who is interested in, in the genre, you know, who, you know, wants to kill some time and just has a weekend that's free and they want to watch some anime, then go ahead. This is pretty solid anime. However, like I said, I'm a person who really likes anime with good character development and unfortunately there is character development for certain characters like Isla but the secondary characters are very, are very weak right so it's it's decent overall in my opinion so yeah um Joe is not here and he should have been doing the um announcement for the next episode because we've effectively swapped plastic memories with Yamada-kun and the seven witches so our next episode will be about Yamada-kun and seven witches so stick up for that whoa 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 um i think tyson you can say what you want to say now really well um the thing the thing that i want to say is that with this episode plastic memories marks my final episode with kunai I will. I am. I won't be for Yamada Kun. Um, I. W I won't be a regular member of this podcast anymore. I have found another. I have found another calling, basically, and I'm gonna pursue. I'm gonna pursue that calling, and Kunai is no longer in the picture for me. So, I'll take my chances to say my my goodbyes, and you know. I don't know how I can make how I can make this more. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, that's basically it. This is my final episode on Kunai, as a regular, at least. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, effectively, guys, we knew about this earlier on, and f this is the first time you guys are knowing it. And we decided to keep it as this announcement towards the end of the episode, only because we didn't want it to affect the the plastic memories. And I think it's kind of fitting in a way that. Um, the anime is about a loss of a loved one, and in a way, we mm -hmm. are losing Tyson. But he's he's always there, you know. It's not like he's gonna yeah. be he's gonna be gone. We'll still talk to him on Twitter. He's still. It's not like we're gonna be like, oh fuck that guy Tyson, you know. <laughs> it's not gonna be like that. So it, we never know. He might he might return as a guest 
but that might be like really yeah. slim this chance. This is not a good buy. It's not a good buy, you know. So because someone has to shit on your zero, right? I, I can't do it alone. Exactly. So <laughs> may, maybe for Hagenai season future. two, maybe who knows? Who knows exactly? Um, and really, I think we wish you all the best, Tyson. And yeah, and I and I'm gonna give Tyson a shout out here. You know, if you guys want more Tyson, if you're if you're only listening to the podcast because of Tyson, you know what? You can go and um, check him out on his YouTube channel. He does some really lovely anime content in terms of like first impressions and things like that and i think they're really cool so go and check those out um and yeah i'll put the links in the description so you guys can go and check out tyson's channel and sub him and tell him bish sent you here yeah so um i think that's it i've been bish loves mish tyson's been tyson kevin has been uh i i I don't know uh kevin's been kevin (laughs) And uh, Joe, for some reason, he's not here. So, you know, fuck you, Joe. No, I'm joking, Joe. Don't. I'm gonna cut this so Joe doesn't listen to this. Maybe it might be in the bloopers. Yeah, um, we should. <laughs> but really, we've been got the cast of Get Life Podcast Kuna. You guys can go and check us out on um, on Twitter at Get Life Podcast Kunai. So not Get Life. Po- Shit. Fuck. I can't even remember my <laughs> own my own uh, Twitter handle. Uh, so at G A L P Kunai. That's our Twitter page. You can send us suggestions. We have been getting a lot of suggestions recently. And the way that the suggestions are going to work, which I'm going to inform you guys now, is that basically we are going to take Tyson's slot and using that for your suggestions, which is kind of cool, which is great, actually. We have enough suggestions to do that. If anyone recommends Boku no Pico, I swear to God. I think I swear to God, just we're don't. Not, the thing is, we're, if anyone suggests Boku no Pico, that would be hilarious. But we're not going to watch it because of kunai regulations and rules. We can't be doing that kind of shit. So, but you can send it to Kevin. I think send Kevin an email. His email address. No, I'm not going to say his email address. Um, but yeah, you can also contact us on our Twitter pages. My Twitter page is at Get a Life Podcast. Um, Kevin's is at The Tempest Phoenix, all caps. Um, uh Phoenix is spelled F-E-N-I-X. Oh, right. You spell Phoenix the incorrect way. And Tyson, what's your Twitter page? One last time, Tyson. It's Kane, K-A-N-A-Y-E underscore. So if you didn't hear that, that's at Kanye. So go send him. <laughs> so go ahead and send um, him Also, uh, be sure to tune in to Tyson's channel for because uh, he's dropping his next uh, mixtape pretty soon. So uh, stay yeah, tuned. he's, he's going to be doing that. <laughs> We're dropping some mad beats. No, I hear it's a collaboration with Jay Z, so it's yeah. it's going to be pretty lit. Yeah, he's going places. He Error. Going places. I have not understood <laughs> joke. Can you please repeat that again, please? <laughs> so I think that's it. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode of Get Life Podcast Kunai. Woo! All right, see you guys. See ya. <laughs>